is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I think, Sue, to hear God's faithfulness in difficult and unexpected situations is so good, isn't it? And um, it's interesting that what I'm going to speak on for our remaining time this morning picks up on that, really, for about unexpected and uh, difficult situations. Because um, we're working our way through a series at the moment, as John said a little bit earlier, we're working our way through a series about the life of David. And uh, David is perhaps the most famous Old Testament king. And he started off as a shepherd boy. He took on Goliath, the, uh, the great giant fighter of the Philistine enemy of Israel. But we pick up the story this morning when things are not going well. We pick up the story this morning when things are not turning out as perhaps he would have expected. It's interesting to hear from Jo how perhaps things turned out not how she expected and not quite what was planned for or anticipated. But this is true of David as well. And the story we're going to read this morning, just a few verses, we pick it up when things are not going so well for him. The current king, Saul, has realized that David is likely to succeed him. And he's trying to kill him as a result of this. And so David is on the run, trying to get away. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to the book of 1 Samuel, if you haven't, don't worry, I'm going to read it anyway. It's 1 Samuel chapter 22. And we're going to read the first few verses. It says this, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered round him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're with us always. Thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for Joe's testimony of your faithfulness to them as a family. And thank you now, Lord, that you're with us as we spend these moments looking at your word. We pray that you would speak to us from it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in case you hadn't noticed... Life doesn't always go to plan. And that's certainly the case for David here. He had been anointed by the prophet, the guy called Samuel, and uh, he'd killed this champion fighter, Goliath, and uh, it looked like he was a rising star. It looked like things were going really well for him. And then suddenly, everything seemed to go wrong. 
Suddenly, everything seems to be turned on its head. Anyone ever been there? Life is sometimes like that, isn't it? It seems to be going really well. You think, yeah, it's cruising along nicely, got everything under control, and then, bang, something happens unexpectedly, and everything changes. Life, if it were a graph, would probably not be a straight line up and to the right. That that might be the ideal business scenario. You know, profits up, (laughs) productivity up, sales up, all going well. But life normally isn't like that. Now, if you are the exception this morning, if life has always gone really well for you, and it's just always up and to the right, then I'm really pleased for you. That's great. For the rest of you, that are maybe like me, where life isn't always like that, and it's more like this, <laughs> this message is for you. And for those of you who are, the, uh, the life is always going up and to the right people, then listen in, because maybe some of those around you <laughs> are more the up and down people, and life is like that for them, so perhaps you can learn something, if not for your benefit, then for your friends. For David, and for pretty much all of our biblical heroes, life was more the up and down type. Not so long ago, we looked at, we did a series here in Jubilee called Heroes, and we looked at some of our biblical heroes. And I can't think of any of them that didn't have troubles or problems of some sort to overcome. Joseph, for example, got accosted by his jealous brothers, sold into slavery, wrongly accused of sexual assault, and thrown into jail. That's not a good starter, is it, really? (laughs) Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian, and another 40 years in the wilderness. Things didn't quite go as he expected either. In New Testament times, listen to what the Apostle Paul says about his life. He says, Five times I would receive from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea and from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And so he goes on. Life wasn't so great always for him either, was it? It was more the up and down variety. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 13. He said, you must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you'll stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. However, and this is important, following Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to have an easy ride. However, what it does mean is this. When you do encounter problems, and most likely you will, he promises to be with you through them. He promises to be faithful to you. He promises to be there as a very living and real help to you. And even in the darkest of situations, God speaks. 
be it through his word, the Bible, be it through uh, people hearing from God and speaking it out prophetically or, or directly into your spirit. God speaks and encourages. We'll come back to that maybe. But let's go back to David where we find him in the cave of Adullam. Doesn't sound like your ideal home, does it? You're not going to find this cave on those, you know, home programs you, you find on the on the TV, where it says this is the you know the newly designed uh, home for this particular family, and uh, they've got their architect there, and it's all lovely, and they're building it away. And uh, you're not going to get this cave there. This probably wouldn't have been featured in the series. So who's there with him? Maybe if the cave isn't so great, maybe he's got some really good people around him. Well, I love the way the Bible describes who's with David. Did you notice that? He says, all those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gathered round him. Think, oh boy, <laughs> not only is he in the cave, but he's got all those who are uh, in, di- in distress, in debt and discontented around him. If you wanted to put together an underground army, a highly capable fighting force, then these men would not have been on your shortlist. About 400 men gathered to David in this cave, and he became their leader. Over time, this rose to about 600 men, including some of his close family. And from this band of malcontents, David formed his fiercely loyal inner circle, the mighty men, as the Bible describes them a little bit later. But to start with, you have to say, things don't look promising, do they? Really? I mean, to start with, you've got the distressed. So maybe the distressed were those who had some massive life-changing event happen to them. They came to David maybe seeking solace or maybe justice. Perhaps they were angry, confused, hurting, upset. The distressed would not have been a stable and balanced group of people. That's the first lot. So you've got the distressed, and then you've got the in-debt. Well, maybe the in-debt were avoiding paying their dues, hence running away. Maybe they were trying to escape, and they they got to where David was hiding. And just as Saul was hunting down David, probably there would have been people hunting down the in-debt people as well, wanting them to pay back what they owed. So these guys probably wouldn't have arrived with much, and most likely had no visible means of support they probably weren't bringing much to the party. But just when it can't get any, uh, any better, you think, well, we've got the distress, the in-debt, then we've got the discontented. Maybe the discontented were those who were unhappy with how things were working out in the land. They weren't impressed with the political situation. Maybe they saw the failure of the current king, Saul, and they saw the potential in David. They would have been unhappy with how things looked and probably wanted to change them. They would have been the ones looking for change and egging David on to do something now, to get rid of Saul and sort out the problems in the land. And you can imagine David having to rein them in every five minutes, going, no, no, now is not the time. Put the swords away. We'll come back to them later. What an interesting group of people. It is, isn't it? I mean, and that's who David has got in his cave. But what about you this morning? Would you fit it into any of those categories? Maybe you're distressed. Maybe life hasn't turned out quite how you imagined. Maybe you're distressed about your current situation. Do you wake up worrying about what's going on in your world? 
Maybe you'd describe yourself as distressed. Or perhaps you might describe yourself in a second category as in debt. Well, if you've got a mortgage or car loan, then you're, you're in that category straight away. But maybe you've got other debts that are piling on top of you. Maybe they're getting hard to manage. Maybe you've even considered running away and just trying to start again somehow. We sometimes hear in the news, don't we, situations and stories of people that have, have done just that, tried to run away and start again and sought to uh, maybe disappear and take on a new life somewhere. Maybe that's crossed your mind, maybe even more than once. What can you do? Well, practically speaking, the Bible advises a generous but cautious approach to our finances, ensuring that money doesn't take over our lives. At the moment, we're looking at a church about how we can help people in debt. And maybe we can be running some uh, courses to help people with those sort of things and help people see what the Bible has to say about looking after our money. We might have more to say about that in future weeks. But maybe you describe yourself as discontented. Maybe there's not one big thing, but it's just that life's getting you down a bit. Perhaps work hasn't brought you the satisfaction you hoped for. Maybe the long-form relationship hasn't worked out. You've got a general feeling of frustration and discontentment. Maybe that's you this morning. Or you might say, no, actually, Graham, I'm I'm good with all those things. That's not me at all. And if that's the case, then that's great. But there'll be others around you who might well describe themselves in one of those ways. They might describe themselves as distressed or in debt or discontented with how life has worked out. So if that's you, or maybe somebody you know, what can you do? Is there really any hope? Well, the good news this morning, the short answer is yes. Yes, there is hope. Yes, there is a way forward. So what do you, or maybe your friends, need to do? See, in the passage we see that these guys gathered to David. They went to him, and he became their leader. That's what the Bible tells us. What do you need to do? Well, firstly, you need to gather to Jesus because that's where your hope is. You can imagine David bringing hope to this rather disparate band, can't you? That's what good leaders do. Even with people who are in difficult situations, they say, you know what, things can change. Things can be better and we can do something together. I'm sure that's what one of the things that David would have done with these guys. But for us, we need more than a good leader. What we need is a saviour. Jesus doesn't just bring hope that things might get better. Rather, he brings a certainty of peace and a relationship with God. He brings an assurance that everything the Bible calls sin, which is what you've done wrong, can be forgiven and you can have a new start. David didn't have a great group of people to work with, did he? He had the no-hopers, really. They, were, they hadn't really got anywhere else to go, and they went to him. But he was able to form them into an elite fighting band. And from here on in, in the story, what you read of is David and his men. And a little bit later, as we said, you read of David and his mighty men. This group of people, out of this, were a select band of mighty men who did great exploits. We'll look at that in a few weeks' time. 
think, John, actually, you're looking at that, aren't you, in a, in a few weeks' time? David and his mighty men. They came out of this group. This was their starting point. But David was able to fashion them into something quite remarkable. They clearly came a long way. But what about us? We might feel we're starting in that sort of group. Is there any hope for us? Well, many years later, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. That's some good news, isn't it? Because you might think, like I do, for me, well, I'm not really that wise. Certainly not of noble birth. Probably described as foolish a lot of the time. You know what? God can do something with that. God can do something with that. See, it encourages me. Because God loves to use people like that. And if that describes you, then you are just the sort of person that God loves to come to. He can use you as he can use me. But as well as that, Paul talks about God's call. Paul says you were called. And that's true today. You are called. Called into a relationship with the living God. You might feel foolish or weak, not influential or noble. That's great. God can use you. You might even feel distressed or discontented like these guys around David did. And if that's so, then that's fine as well. God wants to come to you this morning. Jesus said elsewhere uh, that we have recorded in the Bible that he said he came to bring life, life in all its fullness. And that's actually what the distressed, the in debt, and the discontented needed in David's time. They needed life in all its fullness. And maybe that's what you need this morning. Or maybe it's what those around you need this morning. You see, responding to Christ's invitation is a life-changing decision. Jesus has done what we could never do. Actually, that's the difference between Christianity and every other major world religion. Every other major world faith is about what you need to do to get right with God. What you need to achieve or things you need to do. What Christianity is about is about what Jesus has already done, has accomplished, has finished for you. It's about what he did by dying on the cross and then rising again. He's paid the price that nothing that you or I could do could pay. He's done it. He's he's finished it. We call it the finished work of Christ on the cross. He's done that. He hasn't finished his work in us. There's still some work to do. Certainly true in me. Probably true in you as well. But in terms of doing all that is necessary for you to have a relationship with the living God, it is done. It is finished. It is accomplished. He's done it all. And by trusting in Jesus, you can have his righteousness given to you. One of the old translations of the Bible uses the word imputed, which is a great word, isn't it? Imputed. 
not one you use perhaps in everyday life, but I like it. <laughs> and it means that you get the good things that Jesus has done. So all the good stuff that he's done, all his righteousness and purity and holiness, he gives to you when you trust in him. Not only does he forgive you for what you've done wrong, but he gives you his righteousness and his purity as well. It's imputed to you. It's a good word, isn't it? But what it means is quite fantastic. David brought hope to his discontented band of people. Jesus can bring hope to you this morning if you trust in him. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus this morning, then you, there'll be a moment where you can do that if you'd like to. You can pray and ask him to be Lord of your life. And I'll help you to do that. We'll do that in a moment. But as we begin to, to wrap up, let me say this. Our vision as a church is to be a church that loves God, loves others, serves the city and reaches nations. And everything that we do should fulfill one of those goals. So as we gather to worship, we love God together and corporately, as we've done this morning. As we put on great meetings for adults and children, we love one another and seek to encourage one another in our faith. As we run projects like Smile or do other things and we seek to serve the city in practical ways, we demonstrate God's love to people in a really practical way. We've already talked about what we're doing in Cambodia a little bit this morning. And as we do things like that, we seek to reach other nations for Christ as well. All these things are things that God has spoken to us about. And the reason we're sharing it with you again this morning is this, is that you can be part of that journey. You can be part of what God is doing in all those things. And I want to invite you this morning again to be part of that journey. Come and be part of what God is doing in building his church and helping us to do these things. Let me say out front, we're not perfect. But we are committed to loving Jesus to loving God, to loving one another, to serving the city and rich nations. And it's not about us being perfect. It's about us being perfectly available to Jesus and seeking to be obedient to him in all that he's called us to do. And so if this morning you're just looking in wondering what all this is about, then I want to invite you, be part of that journey, be part of that adventure. Trusting in Jesus and following him is not just about knowing what's going to happen to you when you die, though it does include that, but rather it's being part of a great adventure now as you live. And as Jesus described it, life in all its fullness. It's wonderful, isn't it, to read what David did with these 400, soon to be 600, discontented, in-debt and distressed men. Transform them. And out of that came this mighty band that we'll hear about in a few weeks' time. If David could do that with these guys, think what Jesus could do 
with you. Yeah? Think about it. I wonder what stories might be written about you. Or maybe even if not written, told. Told how you responded to challenging circumstances or situations. We heard something of Joe and Richard's story this morning. Stories told of how you did great exploits for the Lord and stepped out in faith and obeyed him. I wonder what stories might be told of you. Let's stand together, can we? And I'll ask the band to come back up. I'd like us to sing that uh, Matt Redmond song again in a moment, if we could. You alone can rescue. Please, that would be really good. I said a little bit earlier that I was going to give you an opportunity this morning if you wanted to pray and make a decision to follow Christ this morning, and you can do that. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But can we, as we stand, let's just close our eyes together. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if you'd like to. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what we've read this morning. Thank you for David and the way he took these uh, distressed and discontented individuals and did something quite remarkable really with them. And we thank you for the stories we have recorded of the exploits that they did. But thank you, Lord, that you do even something more remarkable with us. You take us and you change us and make us more like Jesus. We thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you that you are committed to finishing that which you've started in us. And Lord, we pray again this morning that we will get totally caught up in all that you want to do in us and through us and with us for your glory. Thank you, Lord, that following you is not just about what happens when we die. But Lord, it's life in all its fullness right now. And Father, I want to pray now for any this morning who would want to decide to follow you and put their trust in you. I pray that today they might make a decision for you that would be transforming of life. Thank you, Lord, that you are here by your Spirit. And we pray in these moments that you would do your work, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Just as we stand with our eyes closed, if we can keep our eyes closed, please, that would be so helpful. If this morning you would like to make a decision to put your trust in Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe this is something you did before, maybe some years ago, or maybe not so long ago, but you want to almost make a recommitment to Jesus this morning. Maybe you've wandered away from following him and you're here this morning thinking, actually, I want to make a decision to, to go for this again. And as we stand here, I just want you to raise your hand, please. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. We're just going to wait for a second. We did this a, a couple of weeks ago and two people made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time, which was wonderful.
I don't want to miss any opportunity that God wants to use to work in people's lives this morning. So if that's you, just raise your hand and we're going to pray in a moment. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just pray this prayer in your heart after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I have done wrong in my life. Please forgive me from these things. I now turn away from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever and to help me live for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you come and see me when we're finished, there's some literature I'd love to give you to help you and to pray with you and encourage you. But let's sing and worship the Lord together as we finish. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.